Greetings, listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Peak. Today, I am joined with my dear friend, Lisa Ashby. Hello, Lisa. It's so good to have you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Um, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners and tell them who you are? Okay. Um, I'm Lisa Ashby. I'm a singer-songwriter, actress, uh, performer in Houston, and uh, I've actually just released uh, my single called Broken Record featuring Nate, who is one of my friends. He's a rapper in Austin, and the song talks about combating rape culture and talking about consensual sex and advocating for it. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that track and what made you decide to write it. I actually... I know the direct inspiration. I was reading um, Asking for It, The Alarming mm-hmm. Rise of Rape Culture. Is that a uh, book? Yeah. And oh my goodness, I can't remember the name of the author. Oh no. Um, but yeah, that book is the is the thing that made me realize, you know, people who don't put their hands on um, feminist literature a lot, they need to be reading this. They need to hear this message. And so I was kind of like, how can I take this message of of the power of consensual sex and uh, practicing more effective communication with sex in general and just talking about it more in general. How can I spread the message of this? You know, what what is my artistic platform? And I realized nobody's singing about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I like to write things down in my in my iPhone, start writing lyrics all throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And I just, I started writing these lyrics a year and a half ago and and I finally decided, like, let's make this make this into a, a piece of work. Um, and so I asked Nate if he wanted to collab with me on this. I told him that I felt like his voice would be really powerful on it. And uh, I got help with Jonathan uh, Moore to compose it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I started producing it. And we didn't look back. And we did a little live performance video and everything. Just That's fantastic. getting the word out there that um, we're... we're we're not accepting of this rape culture and it's not, it's not going to continue. We mm-hmm. have to talk about sex in order to combat the, the more sinister, malicious, um, harmful sides of sex. Mm-hmm. You mentioned right before we got started recording that the Me Too movement was an inspiration for you. Absolutely. I think that any kind of movement that empowers people to come forward and finally say, me too. This is something I've experienced. This is something people I know have experienced. This is something a person who I haven't met has experienced and I saw them write about it online. You know, giving us a voice is, there's, there's no words for it. It's so powerful and so important. And it absolutely catapulted this work into being made. Mm-hmm. I mean, frankly, it also catapu- catapulted this podcast into being made. Yeah. Um, I saw all of the conversations that were finally happening about rape culture and about sexual assault and just this maladaptive behavior that we've all internalized. And I saw a lot of people feeling really pessimistic and um, giving up hope about the whole situation, just feeling very disheartened, um, either on the side of this is such a big problem, we can never overcome it, or feeling, like, personally attacked by the movement, well, I can't do anything right. If I yeah. so much as look as a wo- look at a woman, it's rape now. Yeah. And I knew that that was true, but there was more to the story because I was thinking about the fact that, like, in my personal conversations with my friends, we tell each other about, like, fantastic sex that we have all the time. And I'm like... I want to have a conversation about that includes people getting to share the good times as well as conversations about where we need to improve. Absolutely. And uh, one of one of the main hooks of the song is actually the more silent you are, the more accountable you become. Mm-hmm. And I truly feel that way. And this I think is our way of not being silent, you know? It's yeah. saying, let's talk about the good sex and and the not 
doesn't sound awesome sex. Yeah. So that we can kind of like create a more realistic patchwork of our societal experiences with it. Yeah. I mean, because life is a melodrama. It's a serial comedy and it includes the good and the bad. Yeah. Um, But so on that note, let's talk about it. (laughs) Tell me about your first time or a significant early sexual experience. Oh, yeah. Okay. So my my first time was one for the books. I was really proud of of my sexual debut. Oh, yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I had waited um, a lot longer than a lot of my friends had. And and it did start getting to me, I think, because any time that you know that other people are experiencing something life altering, or it seems that way, at least, and you haven't experienced it, it's kind of like, okay, I need to need to jump on that train soon Mm -hmm. um but i i waited till i was 19 Mm -hmm. and um i actually i wasn't with the guy in um in a traditional sense i was later we we dated later but at the time we were just kind of like casually hooking up a lot Mm -hmm. and um i had been away at college for a year, I came back in the summer and I was just, I felt it. I was like, this needs to happen before I go back to college, before mm-hmm. I, you know, continue with my education. I just, I want to experience this thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was like two days before I was about to go back. I called him up and was like, I, I need to have sex. I want to have sex with you. Cause he had been, he had already had sex mm-hmm. and he was, you know, just kind of like doing foreplay with me. For mm-hmm. a long time because I, I, w- I wasn't into penetration yet. Um, and I finally told him, like, I, I want to take that step. And he was all, like, giddy and excited. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's great. <laughs> but because it was so last minute and unplanned, I was currently on my period. And it's just not the way that you expect the first mm-hmm. time to be. But we did it. We uh, were at his house, a, a house that I was very comfortable in and, and felt safe in. And, um, I was on my period, so it was very messy and, um, but it was really cool. And like, I remember, uh, this documentary about Janis Joplin was on (laughs) while we were having sex. And it was so funny. He was like, well, what what should I turn on? Should I have the TV on? I was like, sure. And then I saw Janice's face and them talking about her and her singing. And I was like, yes, let's keep it on that. And I kind of felt like Janice was like. I don't know. She was, she like was with there you. for me. She was with <laughs> me in this moment. And man, that experience of a man entering me was the coolest thing that I had ever. Because I, I had never, I had no idea what it, everybody was talking about. I didn't mm-hmm. know why is that so cool. What is happening? And man, it's <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like my first sexual experiences going all the way, if you would say that, um, were wonderful. Mm -hmm. Uh, This guy really cared about me, and he wanted me to feel safe, and he wanted me to be comfortable, and um, I think it really started things off um, at a great point. That's so good to hear. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, did you guys use protection? Oh man, I don't remember. I <laughs> think, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, uh, I wasn't on birth control yet. Oh wow. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, <laughs> young Lisa thought, you know, that was a good idea. Yeah. Cause it is. <laughs> yeah. So you were together, you were in a house that made you feel comfortable he cared about your comfort. Janice was there. Janice was there. Was there anything else about the experience that like made it really good and special? I felt um I felt valued. I felt like my pleasure was important. And with this guy, my pleasure was already important. So yeah. it's like I knew that I knew I was going to be taken care of, and I was. And that mm-hmm. was how he really always treated me, mm-hmm. especially when we moved on to being in a relationship. I mean, I just, I was always thought of. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, 
what is your sexual personality or sexual identity like? Um, uh, I, I'm very sexual, which is, I think, is strange because I have kind of sometimes a very demure attitude during sex and, um, and I, yeah, I think some people would find that funny that I label myself as a sexual person because so many times I, I hear these men who I'm with tell me like, you're a very soft kisser. Or like you don't kiss very much. You're not very open at first. It just takes a while for me. Like mm-hmm. I just need, I need somebody to kind of like massage their way into the <laughs> sexual experience with me. But I find that the people who do that, they're, they're making me more comfortable and I'm much more likely to open up with them sexually, um, quicker. <laughs> so yeah, I, de- I feel very sexual. I, f- I could have sex multiple times a day. I would. Um, <laughs> but again, the circumstances have to be right. So there yeah. have been times when, when bad sex isn't always better than no sex. Mm-hmm. And I've, and I found that out the hard way of like, of having a, a not so great experience and feeling like, oh, I just took 10 steps back. That mm-hmm. didn't make me feel good. That didn't fulfill me. You know, I didn't orgasm. He didn't care if I didn't orgasm. And so you know, I'd rather just not have sex then if, if that's the experience I'm going to have with that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you consider yourself to be straight? Yeah. Cisgendered, heterosexual. Yeah. Cool. Um, tell me about, well, you already told me about one fantastic sexual experience. (laughs) Tell me about some more. (laughs) Well, um, kind of going in the other direction of not so great sexual experiences. I just recently, um, and I want to share the story because I feel like it's, it's actually, it actually kind of paints me in a bad light almost. Um, I was with a guy and, and I pretty much came right out and was like, have you ever thought about having sex with me? I mean, I just wanted to have sex and I wanted it to like get to there. Um, and then we started kind of fooling around and, um, I was like, okay, so do you have a condom? Like it was ready for us to move to penetration. And he was like, Oh, it's in my car. And so like he went to go get it and then he came back and I had kind of like given him a little bit of foreplay. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, and I'm a big person, especially because I had such a, such a, a long span of time when I was just doing foreplay that I'm very much like, okay, I want to do foreplay before anything, any penis gets near my vagina. Yeah. You know, like I need to be lubricated and ready. Um, and I was like, okay, so like, can we like, kind of like get her ready, get her going? And he was like, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't do any of that. I stopped it right there and I left that house because I, I have no patience for men who don't want to please a woman the way that she wants to be pleased. And so I don't blame him for not wanting that, but I feel like it goes hand in hand with this orgasm inequality Mm -hmm. that the typical heterosexual script has set up that like a man's orgasm is more important than a woman's and so I feel like that goes hand in hand with it and I just I'm at this point where I would rather just not have the sexual experience with you than to come out of it feeling unfulfilled and so it was kind of messed up that like I was like oh you don't want to go down on me I'm just gonna leave then but I don't take it back yeah. I really don't because if I know that the way that I'm going to come is through clitoral stimulation and a man going down on me and a man feeling comfortable enough with my genitals to like give them what they need, then why waste my time? Yeah. No, I don't think that that story paints you in a bad light. I mean, it felt kind of it felt kind of mean like, "Oh, you don't want to go down on me? Goodbye." <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, sure, if this was someone who, like, you were dating and you guys had feelings for each other and you'd been, like, if he was, like, in love with you and you just wanted him to eat you out, <laughs> that's kind of one thing. Yeah. But if you both went into it knowing, like, okay, this is a hookup, yeah. but then he 
is afraid of pussy. Yeah. I guess. Um, then, yeah, you have the right to leave. I mean, you didn't yeah. harm him. Yeah, you and it's like just and left. he has the right to say no, but I, then I also have the right to say okay, See you well, later. no. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and it was it was the most recent time where I really stood up for myself sexually mm-hmm. in terms of like, oh. I can I can say no at any point. I don't have to feel bad. And I and I guess like I this is me feeling bad about saying no and I shouldn't be. Yeah. It is what it is. And I mean like he said no and you accepted that and then decided okay, well then I guess we don't have any business here. <laughs> yeah. I I'll go home. Um yeah, I think that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah, it was much better than just staying there and kind of like enjoying an experience that I knew wouldn't wouldn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. Because I I think and I think actually now that I think of it, I left because I have stayed before in the past. Mm-hmm. Somebody who who had already explicitly told me like, "No, I don't I don't go down on a woman." You know, which automatically mm-hmm. makes me personally feel bad. It makes me feel like like, my genitals are not attractive, that they don't want to go down there. But then it's like, I am so willing to give them that pleasure. And I I love the penis, you know? I think it's beautiful. Um, I could be down there forever. Maybe not forever. But, <laughs> you know? And so it automatically makes me feel bad about my body, which is already something that we women have to deal with at times. Yeah. And... I mean, everyone deals with body insecurity. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. But I do think that it is in some ways more enforced on women. But I don't know. I'm, I am more and more hesitant to say that women have more bodily pressure put on them in men. I think it's, it's just true. different. It's very, it's very true. It's, um, it's, I don't think it's helpful, yeah, mm-hmm. to be like, oh, we're the only ones dealing with body insecurity. Yeah. Like, nah, no. Yeah, and, like... Media in general has has warped this image of, of what a man's body is supposed to look like, what a woman's body is supposed to look like. I just read an amazing book called Becoming Cliterate by oh Lori Mintz. Oh, my God. The things that I learned is so cool. Things I learned about my own sexual organs and whatnot had no idea... Is amazing. And one of the things that the book talks about is that, you know, men, sadly, because of this, this idea, this warped idea that, that the penis is the only thing that a man has that's going to pleasure the woman vaginally, it creates this, this idea that the penis, number one, that's a lot of pressure to put on the penis. True. There are far more things that are on our bodies that you can stimulate. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. it's not just vaginal penetration. And, you know, this penis size issue of mm-hmm. this idea that that the larger penis is is the one that's going to, is the only thing that's going to um, um, help pleasure the woman. Mm-hmm. And then women with uh, this idea of, have you heard about this, like, labiaplasty? Some women are getting their inner them. lips like shrunk or like partially removed because in porn there are these unrealistic images that like a woman's vagina is like very like tightly neatly all packed together and these... it's like just a hole there's not there's <laughs> yeah. no like well and like some of those images are altered and it's yeah. just not real and the book talks about actually how some women's inner lips are like they're not the same size kind of like boobs they're not the same size and they're not uh-huh. always tightly packed in and they're very different looking a vagina can look tons of different ways, and they're all normal. Mm-hmm. I just loved hearing about that. <laughs> That's so... What's the name of the book again? Becoming Cliterate. By? Lori Mintz. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. And I think that it's important to look into and unpack the way that people of all genders, not just men or women are pressured to look a certain way. Because even in talking about, like, how women are expected to look one way and how men are expected to look another way, that conversation itself totally erases people who aren't men or women. Exactly. Who have a different gender. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. We just... We all just got to keep talking about it. Um, 
Tell me about the best time you've ever had having sex or a good time that sticks out. A good time. Um, I think going uh, forward with what we talked earlier about, like somebody giving me the time to really ease into myself. Yeah. Um, I have this one lover right now. (laughs) I have multiple (laughs) lovers, whatever. Um, Who, whenever I hook up with him, he always takes so much time. And I think there's something to be said about feeling like you have all the time in the world to come. Because I know that when I get into my head, when I feel like my lover is getting bored or that, you know, my orgasm is taking too long. Because mm-hmm. there have been some men who have told me, like, ah, this takes forever, which is terrible because that just, like, ruins the orgasm. You're, n- yeah, you're probably never going to come now. now. It's never going to come now. Um, but, but that really starts to get into your head. You're like, oh no, am I, am I taking too long? Like, oh God, if I take much longer then they're just going to give up, which, you know, I mean, that's happened to me personally. Mm-hmm. Somebody's just like given up and I've been like, okay, great. But this particular lover, he just always takes his time and he always eases into like each phase of sex, you know? Mm-hmm. And he always starts it off with like, just like kissing me, like really passionately. Um, and I'm, like, I'm a very, like, tidy kisser. Yeah. I don't like lots of, like, tongue and, like, saliva everywhere and just, like, all over your face. (laughs) I'm very, like, small bursts of kisses. And so is he. And so I always feel like sometimes that, that comment that, like, you don't really kiss a lot. Like, you're very, like meek with your kissing well he never says that to me because we have the same kissing style and so we can just do that forever and then it just like touching leads to more touching and then you know and it's just like and he takes his time down there oh <laughs> and he has a beautiful penis oh my yes goodness. oh yeah how be- beautiful how I don't know I can't explain it it's just so aesthetically pleasing it's I, I think there's something to be said for, like, genitals that, like, you can tell. They just, like, it's not it's nothing crazy either. It's not even like, oh, he trims. It's like, no, he just, like, he's a human and he cleans himself. And, <laughs> and it looks, and it's, like, clean. And it's nice to be down there. <laughs> it is, you know what I mean? Like, like it smells like him. It's, it's, like, completely natural and normal. But it's just pretty. <laughs> and now that I say it out loud, I'm kind of like, well, what makes it pretty? I don't know. <laughs> wow. Maybe there's like a level of like symmetry or... Um, like how when people have symmetrical faces, yeah, you like it? Yeah, when people have more symmetrical... Like you can't... Hmm. You don't know that when you realize it, but subconsciously it's because it's symmetrical. Maybe that's what it is. Well, next time you're going down on him, I'm sure that you'll pay extra attention. <laughs> right? Well, to the symmetry. I will say, though, maybe it's because I just, I, okay, I think certain penises just, like, fit better to a, a woman's anatomy, and his penis fits really well. So maybe that's what it is. It's like, it fits well, so my brain is like, well, then we like it. It's yes. pretty. <laughs> <laughs> that could be it. Right? That makes more sense yeah. uh, just instinctively to me than symmetry (laughs) (laughs) but they could both be true (laughs) oh man um uh so tell me about um i guess things that you've learned over the course of your life um from i guess 19 or earlier to where you are now tell me about your journey Um, I think one of the recent things that I'm really aware of is that, like, I have had a steady, um, uh, kind of arc with masturbation. I think when I started, Mm -hmm. it was very much like, I didn't really think I knew what I was doing. And, um, and now it's like, I get it. I get why I masturbate. I get like why those sensations are important. I get why that release is important. And it's like now I can very unabashedly um, pleasure myself as much or however I want to and not even think 
twice about it. I think when I was starting, I was very much like, this is very dirty. Like, it feels very animalistic and, like, Mm -hmm. primal when you first start masturbating. Because it's, like, it's this thing that if nobody's told you about it, you're kind of like, what am I doing? Why does this Mm -hmm. feel so good? Um, And now I I realize, too, that... um, masturbating has really helped me learn about myself so that I can better communicate what I need in bed with lovers. Yes. Yeah. And, and that like just hit me that like (laughs) I was learning how to, how I get pleasure to then help put somebody else in, in the right direction. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Um, how old were you when you started masturbating? Man, I think I was probably like 16, 17. And I do remember taking a look at some, like, pornos, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think that's the way that we're taught that that that's how you move into that realm of sexuality, Mm -hmm. which, of course, we know how unrealistic those images can be and how that is not always how sex looks or feels or um, is presented. Um, But, yeah, I definitely – and I think it was also – I was never made to feel shame – um, about sexual experiences because my mom was really cool about me being able to come to her when I was younger, when I was first starting to get sexual with people. Um, I remember the first time I um, ever saw a penis mm-hmm. was when me and this guy who was hooking up with in high school, he like he would drive me to school in the mornings. And so this one morning we had planned that this would be the first blow job that I would ever give. Oh, boy. So we, like, parked in a secluded part of the parking lot before, like, hours before school started. And I remembered when I when I actually got there, I was like, oh, like, I'm kind of scared about this. Well, I told my mom about it after, and she was like, congratulations. <laughs> it was just really cool about, like, and so we talk about, penises and vaginas and you know and I always felt like she was somebody that I could go to and talk about these things that I was experiencing and I think that that was super helpful because every all all of my other friends who were girls at that age were not able to do that and so I feel that they were kind of like the blind leading the blind. They were they could only really talk to themselves about it. And so if they had a sexual experience that they didn't really know how to explain or didn't understand or something went wrong in some way of, like, discomfort or whatever, um, they didn't really have somebody to go to about it. And I always felt like my mom was really upfront with me about her experiences, which then helped me kind of see my experiences in this, um, in this perspective that was helpful and helped me kind of round out my journey with all the bumps along the way. You know? mm, that's awesome. Can you tell me a little bit more about some of your early sexual experiences that weren't necessarily going all the way? Yeah, they were, man, the, the memories that I have, lately I've noticed that they have really defined what turns me on, how things turn me on. Because I've, I've started thinking about like, well, okay, why does this, why does this kind of stimulation really work for me? And I started to remember that I had these experiences when I was, you know, with these guys in high school and it kind of, it created what I now go to as, as fantasies and, um, being touched a certain way or being in a certain position. Mm-hmm. These were things that I was experiencing and experimenting with when I was in my teens, which have carried through, which kind of, which I, it makes me understand now why people dealing with sexual trauma, how that can be so pervasive in their lives because yeah. these things really stick with you. And so sadly, the bad experiences stick just as well as the good experiences. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think of times when when I have been made to feel less than in bed in terms of somebody not caring about my stimulation, my pleasure, my experience, only theirs, and, and you know, definitely put, putting themselves ahead, uh, you know, and their pleasure ahead of mine. Um, but then also, you know, those times when somebody really takes the the time and consideration and care mm-hmm. towards your body. 
Yeah, that is, that is always, I think, just like the ideal goal for both or for all people involved, not yeah. necessarily just two all the time, <laughs> uh, to be, to have the utmost care for the other person and their experience. Um, you talked a lot a minute ago about the things that turn you on. And do you remember the first time you were turned on? Oh my gosh. Um, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I think the first time we, when we were kids in junior high, we used to go to the movies and that was our excuse. Nobody said it out loud, but that was our excuse to like kind of touch each other (laughs) and to get to know what to, and I, I developed breasts at a really young age. And so Mm -hmm. everybody in sixth grade, I had like B cups and everybody was just kind of like, what are those? And can we touch them? I mean, just really like, they were so unashamed of it. They were just like straight up. We've never seen anything like those. (laughs) And I was like, me neither. You know, they were like (laughs) developing so fast that I, I couldn't even keep up. And so I, yeah, there, there was a moment that hit me in seventh grade when, um, when somebody told me, oh, he just wants to be your boyfriend because you have boobs. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I get that. And that turned you on. <laughs> there was, there was touching in the movies where these oh, boys in the movies, would go yeah. and watch movies and, and they would, they would kind of like, they would start groping me. Yeah. And, and I really liked it. Yeah, that's cool. Um, you also mentioned a minute ago um, these early experiences you had that shaped uh, what your preferences are now and what you like. Um, will you tell us a little bit about those experiences? Yeah. Okay. So um, some of my my really intense sexual experiences in my teens in high school was with this one guy in particular. And he actually, he was fixated on wanting to be the first person who ever uh, went down on me. And and now knowing that process that we went through of like finally me getting comfortable enough to, to let him and then realizing how much fun it was and how great it was, I think that has led to now it being a, a real cornerstone of, of my sexual patchwork now. Um, I am very, very um, much into foreplay. And I think it came from that of somebody being like, I want to go down on you so much. And then it happening and it feeling great. So it was just like positive reinforcement. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why I'm so fixated on that being um, a primary way of me getting pleasure still to this day Mm -hmm. um, is this idea that, well, you know, I was exposed to it and I experienced it and it was a lovely experience. Don't fix it if it ain't broken. Yeah. (laughs) Hell yeah. And so to this day, I'm still very much like, that is the way that I want to come. I want a man to go down on me before we have sex. I, you know, I'd like us to have sex. And then if I haven't come yet, go down on me some more. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's it's a big thing for me. I really enjoy all the, um, sensations that come with it that's awesome (laughs) (laughs) um oh gosh i had another question for you oh yes tell me about the most intense orgasm you've ever had oh um oh a a guy that i was with in college (laughs) told me once that i squirted and I, and now that I've like done like research on it, they, the research, especially in Becoming Clitter at that book, it talks about how squirting actually, um, studies have shown that it's like a mix of, cause like the urethra is so close to the clitoris that like, uh-huh. it seems to be some kind of fluid that is like kind of mixed with urine. I mean, it's kind of gross when you say yeah, it out loud, okay. but, but I mean, that's, that's what they think it is. And I, and I think that he gave me some of my most intense orgasms. But it was, again, because he was always asking me what what was pleasuresome for me, what I wanted to do. He very much, like, let me – he, like, was like, show me. And that was so powerful because it was, it was like a moment where I was like, oh, okay, well, what does turn me on? 
what can I tell you to get me there? And then that beautiful moment of I tell him something and then it works and it's mm-hmm. really exciting. I think I think that's why I squirted is because <laughs> it was it was a good mix of him being a good listener and just him asking in the first place. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, you mentioned earlier when you were talking about um, your song and consent. Um, or you just... The song you mentioned earlier is about rape culture and also consent. Um how, when did you, how did you learn about what consent was? Um, or I need to try and ask this question one more time because <laughs> I'm stuttering all over the place. Um, so earlier you talked about the song that you wrote, which is about consent and what that means and how we need to talk about it. Uh, tell me about how you learned about consent and how that became a part of your sexual experience. Because what it sounds like is it's been very important to you and you have been very active in giving and understanding your ability to give and receive consent. Yeah, I I, I haven't really... I hadn't really solidified the idea of consent until just recently, until just a couple of years ago. And I think that is because I didn't personally deal with any experiences where I felt like my consent wasn't respected. Um, in these early sexual experiences, I very much felt like nobody had to say it, but it was just known that consent was constantly uh, evolving. And that if at any point you said no, that it was like, okay, no. Um, and so I was always made to feel by my partners that, um, that if I was uncomfortable, if something didn't feel right, I could just simply say something and and we would change it up. Um, so really consent has started, the idea of consent had started to come from some recent hookups that, that didn't go the way that I wanted them to. And, and, experiences that left me feeling like, okay, why did I not feel in control of that situation? Why did I feel like I had to be polite and continue to do something that I didn't really feel comfortable doing with anymore? Why did, why did that discomfort last for so long? Things like that. Um, and so the song really talks about practicing effective communication like it always comes back to that of like and there have been even moments where I'm I'm looking back at my past and I hate to say this out loud but it's so true I think there have been moments where I hadn't respected consent that somebody else you know didn't give me or had had Mm -hmm. explicitly stated and I just continued to go on with what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. you know and and to think about that really saddens me, but I think there's a power in recognizing that, yes, sometimes we do and say things that are not in line with our values and, and they're not what we truly want. We want some, you would hope that in bed, somebody would want the other person to feel pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I think back to a, a specific moment when we had all been drinking and I had, and I had hooked up, he's actually the one that I, uh, I hate saying lost my virginity to, but that is, but he, you know, had your first time with, I had my first time with this guy. Well, we had been hooking up consistently. Well, there was one night he got too drunk and passed out. Well, and I, when the night, when the party was done, I went to go sleep in the same bed with him as we always did. But he was, he was far too drunk, far too passed out for me to go in there and expect the sex and, well, not the sex at the time, but the foreplay. Well, the sex, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, because sex is not just intercourse. True. Um, the sex that we had always experienced, I was still expecting that mm-hmm. when this man was not in the place to be doing anything sexual with anyone. He was mm-hmm. passed out. Mm-hmm. And looking back, that wasn't right. That wasn't okay for me to do. Yeah. Just because we had hooked up multiple times, that did not give me direct access to his body and to do whatever I wanted. 
Have you guys ever talked about that? No. I actually just started, I thought about it a couple days ago. Like, I, I thought about, has there ever been a moment where I've taken advantage of somebody? And... I, you know, people the next day would clean me up after the party. They kind of made jokes about it as if it was joke worthy, right? Of like a woman going into a man's bed. And I, I think they were joking about it because they couldn't believe that a woman could take advantage of a man, which mm-hmm. is ridiculous because it absolutely can happen. It, it happens and it's not something to laugh about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it's important to talk about and important to be able to recognize within ourselves times when we have overstepped our boundaries and not valued other people the way they should be valued. Because that's the other part of this conversation. Like, it is already extremely difficult to talk about a time when you have been taken advantage of or victimized or harmed, but it's even harder to talk about times when you might have victimized someone yeah and you might have hurt someone you loved and not even on purpose like doing something that you think is going to be fun or that's special or just like that you just want to like you just want to feel good and you don't want to deal with rejection or you don't want to deal with people being too drunk and yeah I think that it is good to talk about and good to acknowledge and move forward from. Yeah. I think there's this um, toxic message that gets that gets said subconsciously, specifically in heterosexual relationships, that say that, well, oh, God, the man is just wanting sex all the time, that any time the woman wants it, it's like, this is go time. But that creates this, this strange thing where the woman feels like she is entitled to sex at at any point in time. And I think that's where that mistake that I made came from is this, I bought into this idea. Well, well, women are, you know, just not always as sexual as men. So anytime that we want it, we get it. Mm -hmm. And that is not okay. It's not. Yeah, just, wow, just saying that out loud made me realize that, yeah, I've definitely subconsciously been told in my life that anytime a woman wants it in a heterosexual relationship, she can get it. And men almost even continue to perpetuate this mentality. The other the other day I, I was uh, going on a date with this guy and he was saying to me, I just don't understand. You're telling me that that you don't always get sex whenever you want it. I mean, who wouldn't? And I think he was trying to like compliment me, but I was like, dude, I'm a human just like anybody else. And no, I'm not always going to get to have sex whenever I want to have sex. And he just kept drilling at home that like, there's no way that you can't find someone to have sex with you whenever you want to have sex. How ridiculous. As if, as if women can just, just pick Pick any, you know, pick just, somebody out of the crowd. Yeah, just pick an apple off the tree and yeah. bite into it. Oh, it's like, men are, this idea that men are, heterosexual men are always available for you to have sex. You should never be without sex. Well, shit. In a in an ideal world, <laughs> I could always have consensual sex with yeah. someone who wants to have sex as, as often and frequently as I do. But no, that's not, mm-hmm. no, that's not reality. Yeah. I think it is fantastic and brave that you're willing to talk about um, this time that you realized that you didn't have the consent that you needed. And thank you, I just want to personally acknowledge and thank you for sharing that because it's important. It's the other half of the conversation. It's the scarier half of the conversation. Right? And 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 people have, you know, especially in the in the wake of Me Too movement, I've had guy friends come to me and be like who who I've hooked up with and been like, "Did I ever make you feel like you know, you were uncomfortable or that you weren't consenting? Did I ever make you feel forced?" And it it made me so sad because I was just like no, this is not a shaming 
people who are having who are hooking up, who are having non-traditional sex outside of relationships. This is not a saying that sex in and of itself is a bad thing. And so I really, I think that's also where the song came from too, is like, let's define consent. Let's talk about this, this very scientific, almost sterile way of talking about something that's very normal. Consent is very normal. Mm-hmm. And it's not crazy and it's not weird to consistently be asking somebody if they're enjoying what they're going through, if they'd mm-hmm. like to continue. These are not, that's not going to ruin the moment. Um, and I actually find it a huge turn on when somebody's like, are you enjoying what's going on? Like, do you like when I do this? I mean, you don't have to be like a, like a doctor about it. Like, do you like when I move? Like, no, <laughs> yeah. like, you know? Are you enjoying this? Do you want to move to something else? You know, yeah. what do you like? Show me where you want me to touch you. Like, these can be very sexy things. Consent is so sexy. Consent yes. is the sexiest thing. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. I totally agree. Um, okay. Those are all of the big questions that I have prepared. Um, do you have any final words that or words of advice or final stories that you want to share with our listeners before you go um so absolutely I'm still inspired by the book that I just read learning about my clitoris but seriously my advice to anybody out there with a clitoris get to know it and its powers because the things that I have learned about it okay so apparently your clitoris is has thousands upon thousands of sensory nerve receptors at the top of it. Sometimes it's so... And, like, every woman has a different amount. Like, it's not always really? the same. Yeah, so some women, they cannot stand you. Or any... Not just women. Whoever has a clitoris. They can't stand you touching it directly because mm-hmm. it's too sensitive. So, like, it, you have to touch it over the hood. And just, like, the anatomy of the clitoris is amazing. Like, apparently we have, like, these, like, clitoral legs that mm-hmm. are behind the lips, like, inside of us. And that's why it can be really um, stimulating to, like, to press on and touch the the mons pubis. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got like these clitoral bulbs. That's why the lips can be really sensitive because they're they're sitting on top of the clitoral bulbs. Yes. So it's just like we've got like all this cool shit underneath there, and it's not just all about the vagina. The vagina is literally just the passageway to the uterus. That's all that is. And we want to talk about the vagina like it's the whole thing. No, the all of that external stuff that that one would play with if they were, um, you know, arousing female genitalia that's the vulva and Mm -hmm. like for us to call all of that the vagina is not correct and it also like puts this weird pressure on the vagina to be like the source of pleasure which is some for some women it's not Mm -hmm. um the clitoris is is far more um sensitive and um gonna give you pleasure than the vagina instant and penetration vaginally so yeah just like get a mirror Touch your clitoris. <laughs> it's really important. Oh, man. <laughs> I just finished re-watching season two of Orange is the New Black yeah. with my boyfriend. Um, he had never seen it before. And have you watched yeah. that show? Oh, man. One of my favorite episodes, the episode title is called A Whole Nother Hole. And uh, the girls in the prison start talking about... Uh, their vaginas versus the clitoris mm-hmm. um, versus the urethra. Yeah. Um, and, like, someone's like, wait, where is it? It's under the clit. Yeah. It's Wait, it's in the vagina? <laughs> and then um, Sophia Burkett, played by the great Laverne Cox, comes in and uh, gives them a whole anatomy lesson oh, that's so of great. the vulva and the vagina. Um, and so all the girls are learning. And one of the security guards is like in the room and he's like listening because she mentions the clitoral hood. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you're having trouble stimulating your partner, you need to lift the clitoral hood yes. and his eyes get wide. And he's like, <gasps> yes. <laughs> and it's just uh, that particular episode is good stuff. 
good educational stuff. Oh, yeah. And especially when when um, you have lovers who you can, like, learn about your body with them. Like, I've had, I've had lovers teach me about my body because, you know, it's kind of hard for us to see. Yeah, we can't see it. We can't see it as well. <laughs> Not like, without a so, mirror. So, like, absolutely get a mirror. But also, like, have your lover teach you. And, and it's, it's happened to me personally. Like, I've had someone be like, uh, I know that you really, like, when you're about to come, you really like when I do this. And I'm like, oh, really? Because sometimes I think all the sensations can just, like, come at you at once, pun uh-huh. intended. <laughs> and um, and it's hard to, like, pinpoint exactly what's going on. But the person, like, helping you with your pleasure probably knows much more about it than than you're able to, like, really you know, process. I mean, they Um, have the visual. They have the visual. And they kind of have, like, the ability to, like, oh, she really, she seems to really like this. She's, you know, she gets louder and she moans when I do this. And and to kind of learn that, especially for future lovers. Yes. Take notes. Pretty cool. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having this interview with me. You were open and brave and I just appreciate you so much you're fantastic thank you for having me thank you (laughs) for being had (laughs) bye bye thanks for listening to The Peak which is hosted and produced by me Robin our theme music was written by Johnny Manchild of Johnny Manchild and the Poor Bastards you can follow us on Facebook or at our website thepeak.blueberry.net that's the peak dot dot net. If you have a question or comment about anything we talked about today, or if you would like to be a guest on the show, send me an email at thepeakpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.